Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and last week we promised you a larger-than-life episode all about King Kong Bundy, and we are set to deliver with my tag team partner, Tommy Five Count Fierro. Good morning, Tommy. (laughs) What's going on, Jumpin' Jay? How are you today, my friend? Listen, I am... I always love doing this show. I always love getting an hour just to talk with you, with the callers, talking about what we all love, the golden era of professional wrestling. But I'm especially excited to talk about King Kong Bundy today with you because you've known him on a personal level. You got to see the man behind the screen. And so I'm very interested in getting your take on it. That's how I'm doing, Tommy. How are you doing? Good, man. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, I, you, you said five count. That, that's one thing right off the top of, uh, right off the top of my head. When you think about King Kong Bundy, uh, that's a, one of the first things you think about. And, and it was really, you know, back then where everything is, was so much more, you know, gimmicky and entertaining him doing that, you know, he set himself, obviously he set himself apart by just the way he looked compared to everybody else. But what set him apart also was, you know, he, he he was so confident in his ability to defeat his opponent that he didn't want you to only count to three. He wanted you to count to five. So, and he'd always do five after the three count, and the referee would have to count two more. And uh, it's unique. I don't, I don't think it's ever been done since then. Uh, and it's something that's, you know, and again, he didn't need that because you I mean, look at him, and I always use the, the same example when I talk to people. I say, you know, you know wrestlers back then – were so different looking than today's generation of guys. Like, you know, there were, it, it, was a, it was a circus back then where you had a little bit of something for everyone, all different walks and sizes and shapes of life. Like today, you know, everyone is, you know, the majority of guys anyway are such a cookie-cutter version of the next guy where, and, and again, no disrespect, but say if Daniel Bryan or CM Punk were, were standing in front of you, at the supermarket, if you weren't a diehard wrestling fan, you probably wouldn't, you know, take a second glance at them. They just look like, you know, outside of their outfits and being in the spotlight in the ring, they look just regular guys, just regular average guys. Whereas King Kong Bundy was standing in front of you at, you know, the supermarket when you're checking out. If you don't know he's a wrestler, you're saying, well, holy crap, who's that guy? He's someone. So I, I think that, you know, he, he differentiated himself just by the way he looked compared to everyone else, you know, and, and I mean, we're going to dive into to King Kong Bundy and his career today, and we will talk about my personal uh, working relationship with King Kong Bundy, and I'm going to drop a bombshell on here today, Jay. I'm going to, for the first time ever, tell the story of how King Kong Bundy and myself were once partners in ISPW. Well, I got to admit, Tommy, in my research of King Kong Bundy, I scrolled through his greatest moments. I scrolled through his Wikipedia. I've been watching matches after matches. Never did I hear that he tagged with Tommy Five Count Fierro. Now, that had to be a dynamic duel. You want to talk about the mega powers. We might need to rewrite some history when you drop that bomb. (laughs) Yeah, so we'll talk about that in a little bit as well of how – how myself and King Kong Bundy were actually partners for a short period of time with ISPW and, uh, and, and, and probably the most popular topic that I want to talk about. And I'm sure, and, and I want to ask everyone else when they're calling in again, if you're listening live, give us a call, share your favorite King Kong Bundy memories and moments with us at 516-595-8295. Once again, that's 516 516- Five nine five eight two nine five. Talking about the career of King Kong Bundy. Jay, real quick, I know uh, I know we have a caller on hold already, but I want to ask you this, and it's an honest question, and I just want your initial reaction when I ask it. I want to know how someone that was in the main event of WrestleMania two, the main event against Hulk Hogan and not be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, I know that there's obviously some kind of backstory there 
um, whether it be, you know, a lawsuit or something gone wrong. or There obviously has to be some reason why uh, he is not in the Hall of Fame. And I, I don't know exactly, pinpoint the exact reason, so I don't want to speculate at what it could possibly be. But all, that aside, it just looks silly to me. It looks silly and looks actually just ridiculous that a man that main evented WrestleMania 2 in a steel cage match with Hulk Hogan is not in the WWE Hall of Fame. Outside of everything else he did, I mean, we can honestly work Undertaker at WrestleMania. We, we could talk about so many things he's done, but to be in the main event, the final match, the drawling match of WrestleMania against Hulk Hogan in the WWF's golden era at that point, it's mind-boggling to me. What is your initial take when you don't see his name in the Hall of Fame? I think all wrestling fans have the same kind of gripe with the WWE's Hall of Fame. There seems to be no rhyme and no reason on who goes in and who doesn't go in. A lot of it, as we know, is backstage politics. A lot of it is on who's good term, who's on good terms with the McMahon family or people that pull strings behind the scenes. And so as a pure wrestling fan, it is frustrating to have names like King Kong Bundy, like Demolition, who by their body of work in the impact they had, not just in pro wrestling, but their contributions to growing the WWF, now WWE legacy. If it wasn't for guys like King Kong Bundy in this time era, when wrestling is experiencing a boom, if it wasn't for him and guys like him, the world wrestling entertainment would never have gotten to the point it is now. And so it is very saddening to look back and see these guys who they pushed, they came out with wrestling figures, they came out with posters, they put them on Saturday night's main event. These were the faces of your company. They helped build the empire. And now all these years later, guys like King Kong Bundy are kind of forgotten in the shuffle. You don't see his name brought up as often as it should be. They did a nice tribute when he passed away. But other than that, it's kind of like someone who's been lost in time. And so, yeah, as a pure wrestling fan who, especially in preparation for today, went back and watched some of his highlights, watched some of those matches, saw that main event WrestleMania inside the steel cage with Hogan and the storyline building up to it. It's heartbreaking to know people that poured their heart and soul into the entertainment we loved as kids aren't getting the recognition that they deserve at this point. Yeah, man. And, and you know what? I thought when WWE had WrestleMania in New Jersey back at WrestleMania 35 a couple years back, I thought he would definitely go into the Hall of Fame that year, and, and it didn't happen. Uh, I do believe, yeah, it, it, WrestleMania is in, is in L.A. this year now. It, they have one more chance to get it right because L.A. is actually – the location where King Kong Bundy wrestled Hulk Hogan. Remember, WrestleMania two was in three different uh, three different states, and Hogan and Bundy was in L.A. So it would be fitting to put him in this year with it being in L.A. I mean, it should have been done in New Jersey. He was a Jersey guy, but I mean, they still have another chance to get it right. And I know, you know, we have a, a decent following. People listen to the podcast and stuff. So anyone out there that might be listening. I mean, I'm sure that you agree with us. I, I think that probably this would be the year to, to put him in. What do you think, Jay? I think it would be fitting, as like you said, LA was the scene of that main event of the kind of the three city spectacular. And I know I've seen some shoot interviews. I know, like you said, there was some heat behind the scenes between King Kong Bundy and Vince McMahon and the company, but. WWE tends to write their own history. And so now that he's passed on, I don't see what would prevent you from inducting him into the Hall of Fame and putting him uh, where he deserves to be, especially since rest, you know, rest in peace. He's not, you're not going to have any run-ins with him or probably his family at this point. And so water under the bridge, if you're in LA, put up pictures, put up videos of that big blue steel cage that we love so much and induct, King Kong Bundy into the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, man. Well, let's, let's get out to the callers. All right. Up first, all the way from Chico, California. Who knows? That might not be too far from where the big blue steel cage housed the mammoth of a man, King Kong Bundy, as he took to destroy Hulkamania. We're talking 
the longtime friend of the show, Babyface Brian. Good morning, sir. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, uh, uh, I totally agree with uh, Bundy. Uh, should be in the Hall of Fame. I really wish it would have happened while he was still alive, and and it you know makes me want them to get other guys that are. Uh, still out there and, and kicking in there while they could still get up in front of the crowd and speak, you know, demolition and uh, one man gang and, and slick, uh, you know, guys that, uh, that deserve it. And then Bundy wholeheartedly deserves it. Um, I just wanted to talk, you know, if you became a fan around the time I did in 86, there was no bigger threat to Hogan's title when I first started watching than Bundy. I mean, we, they, aired that uh, WrestleMania two on Showtime is the first time I got to see it. I think it was July 5th of 86. And so you see the buildup when uh, uh, Morocco faced uh, Hogan on Saturday night's main event and Fuji was sick. So Bobby Heenan steps in as Morocco's manager and, and then calls in Bundy and he gives his big splash, which uh, it, it always was a little funny to me seeing Sting in, uh, in WCW NWA give a splash. And I was just like, man, Bundy's the guy that's got the splash, you know, Sting jumping into somebody across the ring. Yeah, he gets up higher and it's, it's a cool move, but you know, when you see Bundy with the avalanche, that's the real, the real deal right there. So, uh, you know, he's got my top two, probably my second favorite LJN figure of all time. King Kong Bundy's was iconic. And then, uh, it, for me, the, the bigger thing, even than WrestleMania too is that from 85 to 88, he was a huge part of the storylines in, in WWF. He was uh, he was on eight of the first 14 Saturday Night's main events. He main evented three of them, and, you know, he had a little bit of a dip at WrestleMania three. I thought, with the six-man tag match, you know, after main eventing at WrestleMania two, but before he left in 88, he, you know, he faced Orndorff on a uh, Saturday Night's main event where where Andre pulled Orndorff into the corner and Bundy gave him the avalanche and pinned him. And that set up two consecutive Saturday night's main events where he faced Hulk and beat him by count out in the first one. And, and of course lost in the second one and was gone shortly after in early 88. But, um, you know, Saturday night's main event was just right below pay-per-views as far as excitement and, and, you know, the Hulk was the only guy that was on more of those first 14 Saturday Night's main events than Bundy. Piper and uh, Savage each showed up eight times. But Bundy, you know, eight matches and three of them main events. So this is a guy that uh, he deserves more respect than he gets and, and more – he deserves to be thought of more than, than he is. And uh, as much as people – uh, talk about his work rate, you know, not being Ricky the Dragon Steamboat or whatnot. This guy sold tickets. He was, you know, part of my favorite angle where it was him and Stud against uh, Hulk and Orndorff when uh, when Orndorff made the turn that summer of '86. And he's just a guy that deserves, like I say, so much more. I can't wait to hear some stories from Tommy about uh, his experiences with Bundy and uh, Chris. Is it Paley's or Pally's? I've I don't know the uh, correct uh, pronunciation of his last name, but can't wait to hear more from Tommy who knew him, you know, personally. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I, I agree with everything you said. Now, how, how far, when you came out and Jay said it might not be that far from exactly where uh, that was in L.A., how far is L.A. from you? I'm about 500 miles north. so I'm, oh, Okay, uh, so that's a good, way, it's a good ways then. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, up in Northern California. There's uh, Chino down in Southern California, and Chico's uh, up uh, north of Sacramento, between Redding and Sacramento. So, uh, at, you know, at, uh, Toto Atom is uh, going to WrestleMania this year, and he was saying, hey, if I could, you know, come out, maybe we could hook up. And I said, well, I'm 500 miles away, but, you know, if you want to come by. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, – <laughs> It's a little further than uh, than convenient. You guys, you guys got a kayfabe here. You're babyface Brian. He's hail total with Tom. And just, you know, back in the day, you know, you would never see Iron Cheek and Hacksaw Jim Duggan driving down the – no, never mind. Um, it would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, man, real quick definitely. before we let you go, what what's your favorite all-time – you just have to pick one. It would be the one 
where he was involved with turning on uh, was uh, Bundy and Stud against uh, Hogan and Orndorff with that turn. That's that's your favorite Bundy memory. That's uh, you know, that's one of my that's right up there my favorite all time memories. But I'm I'm probably like everyone else. You know, that's where, my favorite uh, all time angle, right? Oh man, yeah, definitely the best feud. Yeah, that we're, you know, and I know Roddy's. Uh, if you had, if you were nailed down, Roddy might be your favorite all time as well. But uh, we got a lot of the same uh, thoughts on wrestling, and uh, and that was my favorite angle, and still is. And then, uh, you know, with Bundy, I, I'm like everybody else. I that big blue steel cage match against Hogan. There's nothing really that tops that for me. And as far as Bundy's career, and then of course that angle with uh, Orndorff making the turn. That's uh, that's my favorite. Uh, heel turn my favorite angle ever so yep yep right there right there with you guys awesome man well we appreciate you calling in every week as always and uh we will uh we'll talk to you next week with any big plans this weekend for you brother oh not not too much i'm happy it's cool uh this is the first week where it hasn't been uh happy it you know it's, it was uh, 115 one day uh about a week ago so it's uh it's nice to be in the 80s and, and low 90s around here so that's that's good stuff well, and at, like i say uh at my store yeah. right now it's 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 six outside right now it's 62 degrees excellent excellent oh, yeah. and uh like i said i'm uh, looking forward to uh to what you have to tell us about uh, King Kong Bundy, the man away from the ring. So yeah, man. that's a uh, great topic, and uh, I look forward to listening to the show. All right, brother. Thanks, man. Have Thank a great so day. Much, Brian. You too. Take All right, Tommy. So we could, we could run down our favorite matches, our favorite moments. I actually found a list of the 10 things that most fans forget about King Kong Bundy, but we have plenty of time to get to all that. Ooh, I definitely want. I definitely want to hear that. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna. I'll read through that a little later in the show. But like Brian said, I feel the same way. You knew the man, and I watched maybe four or five what you would call shoot interviews between last week's show and this week's show to kind of get some King Kong Bundy info into my head. And he seems like a very genuine, down to earth guy. He seemed like he had a very good understanding of the wrestling business. You started this show off by talking about how wrestlers back then looked like wrestlers. If, if life was real, then one of these guys beat down your front door. If you saw King Kong Bundy, you would be scared for your life. If you saw some of today's superstars, you might be bigger than them and it might not scare you as much. And I saw a shoot interview where, he said basically the same thing. King Kong Bundy said when he was wrestling, wrestlers looked like wrestlers. And yeah, he man. fit that description. You knew the man personally. You tagged with him. And so I would love to hear your thoughts on King Kong Bundy, who he was, and what he was like to work with, and just some personal stories, if you don't mind. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So uh, obviously everyone knows by now that if you listen to the show, I live in New Jersey. And uh, King Kong Bundy also lived in New Jersey. So, and I, I've told the story in the past where, you know, back in the day, I used to originally promote wrestling events with Dennis Corluzzo, and I was under the NWA umbrella. I did that for a couple years, and then I branched off and started my own promotion called ISPW. And when I first branched off and started my own promotion, I, I thought that, and back then, you know, a lot of people were, uh, well, it was it was starting to die out at that time, but the, the 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 formula for like the late 80s, early 90s, independent wrestling in New Jersey would be, you know, you really didn't see, once in a while they pop up, but like you wouldn't really see like, you know, how everyone does like American Legions, VFW halls and stuff like that. Like back then, it really wasn't like that. Like back then, the majority of, independent wrestling shows in in my area were in high school gymnasiums so that that you would see the most of that more than anything else uh and and that's a and that's a and that's a formula that wwf did uh back in the you know the early 80s to, to, to mid 80s even the, the later uh, late later part of the 80s 
and uh, maybe even into the early 90s where, you know, their B shows or C shows, they would be at a local high school gym and be a fundraiser for, you know, the, the key club or the football team or something like that. So wrestling was, and today it's really not anymore in this area. Uh, and that's, you know, another story. But back then it was big in high school. So my original, you know, train of thought was, you know, and even at the time I'm only 21 years old, but I still, you know, I still get it. And I, I thought I, I thought I, knew everything back then i i didn't know shit I, I say that right now but i knew enough to know that i needed to do this and that thing was um you know if, if i reached out to every high school in the state of new jersey and said hey you know my name's tommy fierro i'm looking to do a fundraiser to raise money for you uh, I, I i knew you know it wouldn't really have any merit to it whereas if i can if i had some kind of a name behind me uh, to open up eyes when someone got a, 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 a back then I wasn't, I wasn't even doing email. Back then what I did was I made a four-page color brochure for doing fundraisers with ISPW and what I did was I, I contacted uh, King Kong Bundy and I, he worked for me several times already by this point. And I, you know, I said, this is the idea I have. I, I want to reach out to every school in the state of New Jersey um, and, you know, every, every different group, whether it be the, you know, the class of 1999 or, you know, the, the soccer team or the football team or, or whatever the, it, it, the cool thing is when you, when you do high school shows back then, like you literally, when you're reaching, a, reaching out to a school, you had 20 different leads right in front of you because, you know, you had, you know, the class, two, uh, class of 1999, 2000, 2001, 2002, you know, you know, football, wrestling team, baseball team, softball team, uh, you know, different clubs, key club, blah, blah, blah. So, like, there was a lot of leads within one lead. So what I said to him was I would like to, you know, use your name to help – us get a lot more shows. So I was contacting all these organizations as King Kong Bundy. So they would get, what I did was back then it was fax. Everything was like really fax machine. So I, I got the fax number of every high school in the state of New Jersey, every high school. And I faxed over the brochure to them and they're getting this brochure. And, you know, you see this big man, King Kong Bundy standing on top of Hulk Hogan. Like it's the first thing, you see on, on this, you know, on this pamphlet. And, and back then, this is 1999. So, I mean, Bundy is like, he had that, he had that second run in WWE with, you know, WrestleMania with the undertaker and all that stuff. So like, he's pretty fresh off TV himself at this point, a couple of years removed. And, you know, he, he's a big iconic pop culture name, especially in this area. Cause a lot of people know he's from New Jersey. So you're, you're these organizations getting, you know, these, uh, getting these faxes or getting pamphlets mailed to you in the mail and you're opening up and you're and, and, and it's from King Kong Bundy wanting to help raise money for you. It, it opened a lot of doors that wouldn't open for me at that point. And I, I was only 21. And I think like I got, I think I got over like 30, 30 something high school shows that, that summer or that whole year, 1999 into 2000 uh, beginning. Like I think I started sending them out. I think right when the school year started, so September, from September 99 to, or it could be 90, I'm not sure which one it was. It was like a year span, like a year span, like 30-something high school shows using, you know, his name. And, and, and obviously he was compensated. He would get his regular uh, fee for him being on my shows. And, that, and, and back then he wrestled still too. So you just throw like a local guy in there with him and he, and, and that's pretty cool too that he was going to wrestle on them and he did. So like he'd get paid to wrestle and then obviously he's in the sold gimmicks, you know, pictures, autographs, stuff like that. And then I gave him a, I gave him extra to, for me using his name every show I got. So he, he was happy because he was making money and I was happy because I was getting all these shows as, as a 21 year old. Um, so it was pretty cool. I, I, the, the, he was, I, I will, I will say though, man, uh, he was very, he was, he could be very grouchy. <laughs> Anyone that knows him personally, he's a funny guy. He's fucking very 
quick with it the way he spoke, but like he can be grouchy too. Um, I, I definitely don't think that now, like the promoter I am now compared to I was back then, like I don't think that he would be that way with me anymore if, if he was still around. Uh, and what sucks is that I actually had him scheduled to be at my first 80s wrestling con back in 2019. Jay, you remember this because uh, you made the you made the graphics for for the for the website, and he was supposed to be a part of it and actually passed away two months before the convention or three months before the convention. And that convention also had Mean Gene Oakland booked for it, and he passed away mm-hmm. before the convention. So that was two big hits to not only the 80s wrestling world in the wrestling world in general, but also for my convention, I had both of those guys booked. But, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's my story of how uh, I partnered up with King Kong Monday. So when I think of wrestlers during this time period, if I'm a young Tommy Fierro and I'm thinking about which guy would seem approachable, King Kong Bundy, at least his on-screen persona, did not seem to be a guy who would be approachable. And so what is your very first – you said he worked for you a couple times before you guys teamed up to do the fundraising. Oh, no, several times. So what was your first like, – do you remember your first encounter with him and what your initial thought was like when you were making that first phone call or when you first shook his hand? Like part of you had to be a little trepid inside. You know, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't remember the, the very first time I, I used him because I used him a lot. Uh, he was on a lot of my shows and events in the past. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm sure the first time I, I met him and used him, I mean, he, like, he's he's a – He's a big guy. He was a big guy, man. Like, he, you see him on TV, like, you see him in person, man. He's, he's just as big. He's just a big man. Um, yeah, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was super cool, though, because, like, he, like, he just told it like it was. Like, he, like, he, didn't, he didn't like something. He would just say it. And, like, he's kind of like CM Punk. <laughs> and that, did, you, did you hear that, that, uh, that thing a couple weeks ago with CM Punk? With it, where, he, where he, he just shit on everybody. Yeah, the, the press conference. Yeah, I watched. Oh, it. Let me it let was... me tell you something. Anyone that I'm sure everyone <laughs> has seen it by now, but what everyone has to do is go on YouTube and listen to Jim Cornette's take on it. It's fucking hysterical because <laughs> they, they're playing they're playing clips of it. They're playing the whole they're they're playing the whole thing, but they're breaking it down. Sure. Uh, him and him, him and this guy, and they're breaking it down and like. Just hearing Jim Cornette laugh at what Punk's saying is so fucking funny. Like, I listened to it. I just listened to it the first time yesterday. I listened to it three times already. That's how much I, I enjoy it. And uh, real quickly, man, I want to say, and, and this is way off topic. We're talking about King Kong Bundy here. But I have to say, man, I agreed with every single thing CM Punk said. Every single thing. And... uh I, I, I think he's the man after after him doing that. And I, but the funniest thing though, like if you if you, if you didn't if you're just listening to him and you didn't see it, go on YouTube and watch it. Cause you just see this guy here, man. He's fucking bloody. He's tired. He's beat up, and he's sitting there, and he's eating muffins and <laughs> licking his fingers and just just telling it like it is. It's freaking awesome. It's probably the best thing I've I've seen and listened to in a very long time. I don't know how I got on that topic. I'm saying, uh, sorry about that, but uh, yeah, Bundy was like that. He, Bundy would just say what it was on his mind. Well, yeah, and not to not to stay in the CM Punk thing, but one of the funniest things about it is if you watch the press conference, sitting right next to him is the guy who runs AEW, Tony <laughs> Khan, and I don't think he was prepared for what was coming out of CM Punk's mouth. So if you watch it. You can watch Punk and listen to what he's saying and then rewatch it and watch the reactions of the guys next to CM Punk. And you can tell that uh, <laughs> maybe CM Punk was unscripted at the moment. Oh, well, bro, he was definitely, he was definitely unscripted. And but, let me, but just seeing Tony, Tony Khan sitting there and like his, like his reactions and like, you, you almost, as a promoter, you know, as a promoter, I almost, I'm saying almost, I don't, almost want to feel sorry for the guy. You know, he's just sitting there, just like, he has no idea what CM Punk's going to say next. He has no idea when CM Punk's going to stop. And, like, the, 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 my favorite part of that was 
he tried to interject Tony and 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 was saying something about oh you know no I should have took this question head on or whatever and like and then and then CM Punk just goes we're all still learning here Tony this is fucking classic I'm gonna have to probably go back and listen to it again today. So CM Punk is from Chicago. King Kong Bundy is a New Jersey guy. Is not that Chicago's East Coast, but if you live where I live, Minnesota, and if you live where you know. Uh, Brian the Brain lives on the West Coast. Both Chicago and New Jersey is towards that East Coast from us. Is that kind of a New Jersey kind of style thing where you just speak whatever on your mind? Like we have something here in Minnesota called Minnesota Nice, where we may think something, but we won't necessarily say it. We'll beat around the bush. But CM Punk, obviously speaking from the heart, you said King Kong Bundy was very much the same way. Do you think that? Do you, do you think New Jersey guys? Not that CM Punk's New Jersey guy, but you think? New Jersey guys kind of tell it like it is in general. Man, I tell you what, from uh, from the people I hang out with, absolutely. Um, I'm not sure about the, the rest of the state of New Jersey, but uh, my my inner circle of people that live in this area that I'm friends with, they definitely tell it like it is. Well, and and there's something to be very much appreciated about that because then you know where you stand with a guy like King Kong Bundy, somebody else who always tells it like it is, the gentleman that's waiting on the line. We're talking good to our there. good friend, Toto with Tom. Tom, welcome to the King Dave. Kong Bundy episode. Dave, yeah, Dave, I got to go. I'm on the, um, on the podcast now, I'm Dave. Uh, with Dave. Yep. T- t- tell me about Tony Khan, okay, later. All right, Dave, bye. Meltzer's Jeff and Jay, boy. Tommy. Yeah, Meltzer, yeah, he was just on the phone. He was telling me something. Um, anyway, my, my first recollection of King Kong Bundy was – I think it was like the late 90s. This isn't my first recollection, but this is like my interaction with him. It was like the late 90s um, or around 95. Tommy, you would know better. Um, A wrestling convention in Totowa at the Holiday Inn on Route 46. Yes, I know. So what was that, Tom, about 95? Uh, I had him on a a couple there. I'm not sure, but yeah, you can continue with the story, though. Yeah, but I had him a few times. So I went with my friend, and um, we did get pictures, and my friend um, specifically wanted Bundy to <laughs> uh, pin him up against the wall. And then when we took the picture, instead of the three count, Bundy uh, said, you know, it has to be five, five. So we, like, counted five times, and he, he like, pushed his head up against the wall. And um, it's a great picture, and every so often on Facebook, my friend will, you know, it comes up as like a memory or something like that. Um, he'll like post it saying, ah, my experience with King Kong Bundy at the uh, Holiday Inn in late 90s. Um, okay. Later on after that, I don't know if you knew this, Tommy, maybe you did, but there was a um, bunch of wrestlers who were willing to come to your house to watch Monday Night Raw with you. It was when Raw was really at its peak. Yeah, that, was that was Monday me Night. that did that with Bundy too. It, it was called was uh, it was called Bundy Night Raw. Yeah, that was you. That was me too. Yep. So we all got together and we were going to put some money and you know have him come over. And I remember it was going to be at my house in Totowa, but my wife was dead against it because she was like, "This guy's going to destroy our furniture. Where are we going to sit him?" I, you know, I thought about it, and I said, you know what, you're right. Where would we have sat a 480-pound behemoth? <laughs> That's great, man. So, uh, didn't have- did you ever, I'm not sure if you, you, you know this story or not, Tom, because you live in the area, but I also had a show, it was 19, and I, I remember, now I remember the first time I used them, Jay. It was 1995. And it was at St. George Church in Patterson, New Jersey. And the main event of the evening. And I've done, I've done this match twice. I'm proud to say I've done it twice. Kong Bundy against the Iron Sheik. I had it there and I also had it in Wildwood. But, I mean, just think about that for a second. So... I'm 21 years old at the time. It's 1990. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm 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 19 years old at the time, or I was probably it might have been 18, 18 or 19. And it's 1995. I'm having Iron Sheik versus King Kong Bundy, two guys that 
a year or two before that, just a couple years before that, were two of the biggest name wrestlers ever in pop culture history. And me growing up, a huge wrestling fan, and now I'm 18 years old, and I'm having King Kong Bundy and Iron Sheik wrestle each other at my show. It's pretty fucking cool if you, if you stop and think about it for a second, you know? Now, who worked as a face? Was it Bundy? It was Bundy, yeah. Very interesting. I have a trivia question for you, Tommy, regarding sure. Bundy. What was the nickname that Gorilla Monsoon gave him? The, the 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 walking condominium. There you go. You know, Gorilla that's Monsoon cool is sorely missed in wrestling. He was such an underrated um, broadcaster. I know, you know, he had a great Hall of Fame oh, career fantastic. as a wrestler. But... He was awesome, dude. I lo- oh, He's tremendous. I mean, just everything from that era, man, was just tremendous. And that's why we have a podcast that we talk about every week. And that's why we have loyal listeners like you, my man, who call up and listen to it every week because we we can't get that out of our system. Like that after our childhood, that was on wrestling. We loved wrestling the most. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be probably talking about this shit for years, years to come, for a long, long time. Something that we've been talking about uh, for a couple of weeks now was that last match uh, pay-per-view. And Jumping Jay, I, I never got to hear your reaction to it last week. You had asked me what mine was, and I gave it, but then we never touched on what you thought about it. Well, I thought the card overall was extremely entertaining. I thoroughly enjoyed it. When it comes down to Ric Flair's match, obviously I wasn't expecting a five-star match. I I was expecting somewhat of of a spectacle. You were there for the pop and circumstance. You were there to see this icon perform. I was thrilled to see the number of other legends that came to watch, you know, you had the undertaker, you had Mick Foley, you had Bret Hart there. Um, you had diamond Dallas page in the crowd. And so that was heartwarming to see that they were there to offer their, their support. The match itself was structured. Great. Ric Flair. I mean, for being 70 some years old, you're not going to see, the old, the the vintage Ric Flair. I won't say the old Ric Flair. We saw the old Ric Flair. You didn't see the vintage Ric Flair. I thought it was okay. As long as Flair is happy with the performance, then I got nothing bad to say about it. Um, I'm glad I watched it. I'll put it that way. I'm glad I saw it. Did you guys also hear that PWI came out yesterday with the top 500? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got a chance to see it, actually. I haven't seen the list myself yet, but I'll be curious to know if uh, any of uh, ISPW uh, made it onto the list. It's always yeah. A, I, didn't, a I didn't. I didn't see the whole list. I saw like the top twenty names, but I, I will say uh, they they definitely got the 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 number one pick right. And I think that I was listening to Busted Open yesterday. I've listened to that every day here. I have it on the store. They all agreed as well. Uh, Roman Reigns was uh, the number one pick, and I, I don't think anyone's had a. Uh, a more dominating year in, in, in recent memory than him. I think he's the best in the in the business right now. Yeah, I agree. You know, having the Peacock uh, that allows you to get all that WWE content is really uh, cool because you can go back and see some of King Kong Bundy's earlier matches when he mm-hmm. first started off. I think it was a promotion down in Texas revealing aspect of seeing Bundy is he has hair. Yeah. <laughs> he does. He has a full I head mean, of I've hair. Seen, yeah, I've only seen him bald his entire life. And then those yeah. first matches, I think he had overalls on too as well, but he had hair. It was amazing. It looked like he actually got bigger as he got older too because he wasn't, he didn't look as big. Yeah, I think, I think you're right about I think you're right about that. But uh, hey man, real I, quick before you, before you go, what is yeah. your favorite King Kong Bundy moment or memory that if you think about his whole career, what's the one thing that stands out to you? The first WrestleMania, because I watched it and I remember seeing SD Jones uh, get beat in like, uh, it was a, it was pretty quick. From what Nine I seconds. What I yeah. How, how, so, that's, I mean, like, that's, what you, that's how long you usually last, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's what cut me off a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> That's awesome. 
But you know what the, the side story to that, Tommy? The side story to that WrestleMania one match, and I know it was spoken here a few weeks back by Tony Atlas, yes. um, was that it was supposed to be Atlas that was going to wrestle Bundy in that match. But the mm-hmm. promoters yep. knew ahead of time that Bundy was going to be wrestling at WrestleMania two next year against uh, Hogan because they usually predict, you know, if things go well, usually a vision a year in advance of what you're going to do. Um, and they were afraid that Atlas was going to just screw it all up by picking Bundy up and press slamming him. And they didn't want Bundy to look weak. You know, they wanted yeah. to keep him strong. That's another funny story. And I think they paid Atlas a bunch of money to go out to dinner with his wife that night. They said, don't bother, you know, you're not coming to the show. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Hey, real quick, also, before you go, just check, check this out, Jumpin' Jay. I got a, I got a total with Tom scoop for you. Breaking news. Late on us. So this past weekend, Total with Tom stopped at the Wrestling Collector. Uh, Missy Hyatt was here on Saturday doing an autograph session. And uh, Total with Tom came. He was hanging out for a while. Always enjoy his company here when he comes to the store. My mom uh, came early to relieve me because it was my daughter's first cheerleading game. So she worked the last couple hours of the shop. But while... Total with Tom was here, my mom had brought me over some lunch. Now, my mom makes very, very, very good, I mean, extremely good pasta salad. And it's got, you know, the, the different color pasta in it with, you know, peppers and uh, provolone cheese and ham cut up and other stuff, tomatoes. It's really, really good. And, you know, she brought me some and I'm eating it. And I can, I can my eye, man, I see Total with Tom just eyeing up my pasta salad. So I'm like, I think my mom said, do you want some? Well, I, don't, I don't think we had another another plate or another fork or whatever. So I posted something the other day on Facebook, Jay. So right. <laughs> my mom chimes in with something, something that related to do with the wrestling post, nothing to do with anything, any food or anything. So then Toto with Tom underneath, because Toto with Tom knows my mom's coming to the ISPW show in Totoa next Friday, the 23rd, the king of ISPW tournament. Quick uh, plug for that. And he says underneath the post, hey, maybe you could bring some of that pasta salad. <laughs> Can you believe that? The balls on this guy. <laughs> so, so I'm assuming it was good. I'm assuming it was a good time. Good pasta you know what, salad. Dude? I, I'm I'm gonna go out of my way, Jay, to make sure, some way somehow, my mom makes some uh, uh, salad next week, and I'm gonna have her bring him some. So in two weeks, you can get the uh, report of how good Mama Fierro's pasta salad is from Total with Tom right here on '80s Wrestling Podcast. That is an exclusive. I, can't I like it. <laughs> All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you. Total with Tom out. Mama Fierro pasta salad on sale now at 80swrestlingcon.com. <laughs> hey, real quick before you go, I will tell you what is on sale at 80swrestlingcon.com, and we're going to talk a lot more about this next week on the show. Uh, our, our musical, The Last Match, a pro wrestling rock musical, a one-night show is going to be coming to Jersey City, New Jersey at the White Eagle Hall on Monday. September 26th, actually two shows. One's going to be at 2.30, one's going to be at 7.30. In between the two shows, Matt Cardona, who's obviously red hot right now in the wrestling business, he will be doing a meet and greet uh, in between sets. You can actually get tickets for that on 80swrestlingcon.com if you live locally. But we're going to talk a lot more about the Last Match musical on next week's episode, which is going to be starring Matt Cardona and... uh, Training took uh, training and rehearsal started this past Monday, Jay, and uh, it's it's going to be really cool, man. So we'll talk about that here more next week on the show. I I cannot wait. I'm looking forward to that conversation because I've been following the last match on social media, and it just you know seems me, to be getting bigger and bigger. And I, I didn't even to, know Matt Cardonia could sing, but I'm excited to hear what he yeah, has to offer. Maybe I can get maybe I can get Jeremiah James on uh, for next week. He's the he's the producer of it. So uh, maybe we, I'll talk to him and get him on. We'll talk more about it and, and stuff like that because I know we had him on when it first started, but a lot has 
a lot of stuff has developed between now and then, so it'd be cool to get them on. But I know our next call uh, coming up is, is 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 a man that knows many many things. Correct, Jay? Like totally a, a lot of things. Listen, he he's he's he knows anything to do with Canadian related wrestling. He's the man with so many talents from a country that is so much better than yours, and. He's got to wear shades, or he used to have to wear shades when Bundy would walk around New Jersey because the shine from that dome would reach all the way to David <laughs> from Canada. Good morning, sir. Morning, guys. How you doing? Hey, Fantastic. brother. How are you, man? Good, good. I know all this talk. This talk about past, I'm on lunch now, and this talk about pasta salad. I'm just like, thank goodness it's lunch because I don't know how I'd get through another period of teaching without eating now because of this pasta salad. <laughs> Hey brother, you know what? Maybe maybe I can uh, maybe I can I can I can ship some up for you. <laughs> yeah. Here's your surprise. Here's the pasta salad, right? Yeah, man. David. So uh, uh, David, let me ask you this: Canada is a big, big place, so you you can be a lot of places. But what time is it where you're eating lunch right now? Uh, it is ten forty-six. So it's, we're on, we're at the same time as uh, like that's I'm Tom. in the same time zone as as, okay. as Tommy. Yeah, well, and, that's not uh, bad. Yeah, because like, we well, have. Yes, it's okay. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite things about school is sometimes you'll be eating sloppy joes at like nine thirty a.m. because that's when your lunch happens to hit, and it, it was just always an odd thing. Real quick, guys, I don't mean to jump in, but uh, Jay, you seemed very, very, very startled when he when he said he was eating lunch. Like you had to know what time is it over there. Like he like take it easy, pal. Let the guy enjoy listen. his bologna. Let the guy enjoy his bologna and cheese sandwich. All right. Because listen, man. I used to. I mean, I attended school, oh, and then you, I have. Like, and then I have. If you don't eat, if you don't eat lunch, in, in, see in Minnesota, man, uh, they, in Minnesota, if, no. if you eat lunch a second before twelve noon, or a second after twelve thirty, you, you, they 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 write you off forever over there. Listen, yeah, I yeah. I went to school myself. <laughs> I have a teaching degree. I was a okay. substitute teacher for a year, and sometimes, depending on the schedule, they would have you eating lunch at like nine thirty in the morning, which was just always so odd to me. But I why, suppose when it why fits in you, your schedule, you got to eat. But why did you sound so like startled when he said he was eating lunch? Like, what what time is it over there? Because <laughs> I care. Because I okay. care. I have a big heart. David, we're talking about well, King well, Kong Bundy. Well, well, Take that? a David, bite of the bologna and tell us your thoughts. <laughs> Listen, again, before we talk about King Kong Monday, after all this talk, Dave, I got to know, what are you having for lunch today? Uh, actually, I don't know. Uh, what am I having? Let's see. I got to open it up. Mystery meat. Some, I love it. Some hot, dog, hot dogs wrapped in uh, like a pastry. Ooh, that sounds very, good. Yeah, very, very fancy, I know. That's about the most French-Canadian thing I've heard, a hot dog wrapped in a croissant. <laughs> yeah. That's it. It's, it's called uh, leftovers from you know. What can I get my uh, toddler to eat? You know. I love it. I love it. So when we talk about King Kong Bundy, uh, first of all, let me. I'm sure this has been talked about already, but I want to add my voice to the. Uh, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Let's get him there. Uh, but also that I think you know a lot of people have been talking about the the wrestling part, but I also felt that it's interesting. Like I loved him as a wrestler. I loved him as a character. Uh, and and I think it just goes to you know there's um, a whole line of, guy, of big guys like he's one of those famous big men that's just great and the King Kong just worked perfectly for him uh, and we have our own version of that we have King Kong Mosca I don't know if you ever heard of him but he was a, a former football Canadian football player who who, who wrestled it off uh, and it always reminds me of that but I also find him it interesting is because he's one of those guys that in, in some ways was a, a little bit of a trailblazer for guys who came after him because, you know, a lot of people are, are you know, continuing the wrestling um, livelihood. Like say somebody like Mick Foley right now, uh, you know, they go on tour, they have a stand-up show. Roddy Piper did that as well. Uh, you know, when, when sort of breaking down kayfabe a little bit and, and King Kong Bundy was one of the first guys, who, you know, not the first, but one of the first guys who kind of, branched off in that way right like he had a he had a whole stand-up comedy career uh you know which i think is kind of cool and it's someone like that's not i mean to me anyway that's not the person i would envision being a stand-up comedian especially based on his his wrestling character but you know he had a bit of an acting career and then he, he obviously went and did the stand-up thing too and i i think that kind of in some ways paved the based on the way he the timing he was for a lot of guys who came after who 
you know, even Undertaker now has a has a show that he's kind of touring around a little bit. And and I think it's cool to, you know, be able to kind of break that door down a little bit for guys to to have a to still interact with the fans other than just do a signing, but kind of, you know, make a living after, after wrestling, because as we know, you know, there's the guys who make it big and, and, and whatnot and, and, you know, can survive off that income for as long as they're around. But, you know, guys who are, you know, sometimes main event or mid carters, uh, you know, don't have that luxury or didn't make that money. Or if, you know, you got injured um, early in your career. And I think, you know, Bundy is, is remembered for obviously what he did in the ring, but I think he's also remembered for, for what he did outside of the ring too. And I think that's, that's something to be noted and something that's cool. Awesome, man. It It's interesting to me that guys like King Kong Bundy and now the undertaker are doing the one man shows. Cause you wouldn't expect that from their characters. When Mick Foley started touring, you kind of could see that if you read his books or saw, you know, his brother, uh, love persona. You could tell he had that comedic side. But yeah, it's surprising when intimidating figures on screen have that nuance to them that they can then go and be a great storyteller on top of it. Yeah, man. And I, I yeah. remember I remember pretty much Undertaker always stayed in character also and until recent, recent, recent years. So you, you thought of him doing you know, a one-man show a year ago even even a year ago, you know, he, cause he, I mean, he's talked in documentaries and stuff like that, but he hasn't really done anything like that. So even like a year ago, you said, "Hey, takers to start touring around doing a one man show." You would never, I would, I probably wouldn't even believe it. So here's the thing, though, you know, he, he's 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 not wrestling anymore. He's he his name is fucking gigantic in wrestling, one of the biggest names, if not the biggest name in wrestling, and. If someone says to him, "Hey, you can make a hundred thousand dollars plus every uh, a show every time we do a one man show," I guarantee his freaking his uh, his attitude about it or his thoughts about it switch real quickly. Because I mean, think about this: like the guys, you know, he he paid his dues obviously thirty years ago, but if he can, you know, if he travel. Uh, he travels 24, he does 24 shows a year, 24 shows a year, sporadically throughout the year. So if he's working twice a month, that's not really working, right? And you're going to make $2 million for that? Where do I sign? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, when you put it in those kind of terms, it, it's pretty staggering, actually. Yeah, so you think about that. Like He's probably making at least 100 k uh, it could be more, man. He could be getting, you know, it, it, who knows? Let's say it's a hundred k. I'm sure that I'm sure he's getting that. You do that twenty four times. That's, you know, that's what. Tw- do the math. Two point four million, right? Yep. Yeah, man. That's <laughs> that's nothing to sneeze at, you know. And uh, so, yeah, man. There's my making. He could probably do so much other stuff too. I mean, he can he can make money doing anything forever. Yeah, absolutely. All right, brother Jay, you still there? I'm here. I'm just listening. Yeah, that's a great way to make a living, especially if you enjoy being a storyteller and traveling around and telling your tale. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, I think there's always the market for it too. That people, you know, even especially like with all the wrestling podcasts that are out there now and the audience that they have, right? Like the the audience for the stories and hearing the stories and hearing. You know, not not like dirt, but just insider stories about, or, or you know, stories from the road, or you know, they've got a, a lot of they got all these funny stories that they can tell. That just you know, you don't even need necessarily a ton of um, ability to you know make jokes or think about jokes. It's just like I can just tell the story, and it's just funny the way it is. And and the audience, the audience is there, both obviously in the United States, but but around the world, right? Canada, yeah, and you know, Australia, Europe, like there's tons of places where these wrestlers can go and, and, and tell their stories and fans are just going to eat it up. Yeah, man. Yeah. I would love to see the taker tell, tell some tales. Yeah. Right, Even man. though they well, say, you know, know, dead men tell no tales, but Hey, hey I'll tell you what, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to, we're going to have you, we're going to have you pick the topic for us next week here on uh 80s. Actually, 
I'm not sure if we're going to do the – we might do a last match musical one, but if, if we do that the following week, the next topic we talk about, uh, what, what, what would you like it to be? I'm going to have you pick it. Uh, let's, go, let's go with the stinger. Let's go sting. Ooh. Oh, okay, we can do that. I like that. it. I like it. Yeah, man. All right, the we're face doing the stinger. Uh, I like it. Yeah, we're man. Doing it. We're doing a sting episode. All right. And since I David picked the topic, I'm obligated to call in, so I'll, I'll talk yes. to you then, guys. Just do me a favor. Whatever you do, make sure you're not eating your lunch because Jay's going to have a fucking heart attack. He's trying to say you're eating at 2.45 in the morning. Listen, I just <laughs> want to make no, sure. men- no mention of food. Yeah. I, I, I got it. Sure no mention of food. to sustain the day. I just want to make sure he's got enough energy to get through the day. That's all I was asking. <laughs> I appreciate it, Jay. All right, right, man. man. Thank you so much. All right, take care, guys. Later. Give it busting my chops about. Listen, I was just sometimes teachers eat at odd times. I was very curious. You've been busting my chops since week one, buddy. All right, here's what we're gonna do, Tommy. I've got this list of things that fans may not remember about King Kong Bundy, and I want to be honest with you. Some of them have already been brought up in today's conversation. So our callers and you. You're definitely more up on the career of King Kong Bundy uh, than the average person. So I'm going to read through some of these, and I just want you to react to them. Tell me if you knew it. Tell me if you didn't know it. Tell me if maybe you forgot it. But here we go. One of the things that most people don't know is that King Kong Bundy was in the King of the Ring tournament back in 1987. I knew that. This was... This was before King of the Ring was actually a pay-per-view. It was just an annual tournament. And he actually made it all the way to the finals before losing to Randy Savage. Yes, I know that because I actually just recently did some research for King of the Ring because next Friday we're doing the King of ISPW tournament. And uh, I was just Googling some stuff, so I, I, I saw that, so I knew that. And if I didn't Google that last week, I might have not have known that. Yeah, he was one match away from being the king, King Kong Bundy. Literally. Which, the king. Yeah, which would have been kind of cool. Another fact that most wrestling fans have forgot is that he did do some acting. You and I referenced that he was on Married with Children, uh, the 80s sitcom. Interesting fact, the writers of that show actually named the family the Bundys because they were a fan of King Kong Bundy, which is kind of a nice That's little awesome. tidbit. Um, but the other fact that most people forget is that he was in a movie with Richard Pryor called Moving, where he played a bulky furniture mover who ended up getting into a fight with Richard Pryor. Yeah, man, so absolutely. I think that's I think that's that really – between that, because I think Marriott Children was 87, and then Moving, the movie was 88. So, I mean, at that time, man, he's, he's right in the – He's right in the middle of pop culture. And then also later in his career, he was himself on uh, Word, the TV show uh, Word Science and also uh, Boy Meets World as well. Yeah, didn't he play? No, Vader played one of the Bulls' dads on Boy Meets World. I wonder what King no, Kong but Bundy was on there too, I believe. He was. Good. Uh, and at this time, in the late 80s, Rich Pryor is what, like, the Kevin Hart is now of comedy. Like, he was the big comedian. And so if you're in a movie with him, you're being seen by a lot of eyeballs. Another fact that most people forget is that uh, when we picture King Kong Bundy, a lot of us associate him by being matched by Bobby the Brain Heenan. He came back as part of Million Dollar Man's Million Dollar Corporation. But his original manager in the WF was the Jimmy Hart. South. Yeah, Jimmy Hart. Most people don't remember that. Uh, we referenced that he held the WrestleMania record. The fastest match he beat. Yeah, you're cutting in and out uh, on my end. See oh, he beat uh, S.D. Jones in nine seconds. We already referenced that, so we remember that. Um, a lot of people forget that he started his career as a babyface, but you booked him. And ISPW is a babyface, so you know what was up. <laughs> Let's see. Another fact, he appeared on the first ever ECW Supercard. So he's got ECW on the resume. This one surprised me. Are you ready for this one, Tommy? I'm ready. He was an original member of the stable, the Legion of Doom. 
Yes, I did. I did not know that. So usually when people hear League of Doom, they think of only Hawk and Animal. They think of the Road Warriors. But it was actually a stable that included Jake the Snake, the Spoiler, Bundy, and the Road Warriors, which yep. is pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, and then the last fact, let's see, is that he has hair. He's bald by choice. And the reason he got rid of the head of hair is he lost a hair versus hair match against Fritz von Erich. And once he shaved his head, he realized it made him look more imposing, so he kept it. Those are nice. the facts about King Kong. I love it. I love it, man. Yeah, really interesting episode today. Uh, lots of taking away from it. But I think the, the, the biggest thing to take away from today's episode is that we just talked about his career. We didn't even, we didn't even really even dive that much into it. The guy had a fantastic career in the wrestling business, and it's a shame that he is not in the WWE Hall of Fame. But there's always time to change that, and hopefully whatever you know, differences obviously there must be for him not to be in it because it, it's mind-boggling that he's not in it. The guy, like, like Jason said earlier, the guy's gone now. Just, just put him in. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. The guy main evented WrestleMania two against Hulk Hogan in a steel cage match. So I think him not being in it is just, is just silly. Just like Demolition not being in it is just, it's just silly. But anyhow, I had a great time talking to you today, Jay. I, I, I learned a lot. I learned that you are dead set against anyone eating lunch this early in the morning. Um, you really were taken back by that. Um, so I'm going to make sure I do not eat lunch until at least 1231 o'clock today that I want to offend you. And well, uh, listen, I the, guess... other, the other thing that I got a kick out during that conversation is when he said he's eating hot dogs in a croissant, your response was, mmm, delicious. I'm asking you for the truth right now. Have you ever eaten a hot dog tucked inside a croissant? Hell yeah. Is it, listen, do you call, is it like, am I, am I, is that like a pig in a blanket type thing? Yeah, or do you guys yeah. use croissants instead of buns? Well, listen, man, you guys don't, you do things a lot differently in Minnesota than we do up here, my friend. I'm going to be honest. My light bulb just went off when I said it a second time about it being a pig in a blanket. Cause I've had those. But when he said he was eating a hot dog nestled in a croissant, I pictured him eating <laughs> he, a croissant he like nestled. a hot dog. He did not say nestled. He, no, play it back. He said, he said a hot dog nestled in a croissant. Did he really say that? I don't know. We'll have to listen to this show. But I was picturing him <laughs> using a croissant like a hot dog bun. But now when I said it to you, he's eating a pig in a blanket, which is perfectly acceptable at 830 in the morning. Absolutely. So, uh, hey, man, you got me hungry now. I'm actually in the mood for a hot dog and sauerkraut. For With a side day, of pasta so. salad. No, no, no. I'm a no, Fierro. Spaghetti, now. I, I actually brought my lunch today, my friend. I'm good for today. All right. All right, man. Well, listen, so you have a great... We do, next week, are we doing an update on the last match? Because I want to know everything that's going on. Because I've been following on social media. It looks amazing. Yeah, man. We'll, we'll definitely... That's, we'll, we'll do that next week's episode. We'll do a special uh, edition of the last match of pro wrestling rock musical right here on the 80s Wrestling Podcast. Hopefully going to get Jeremiah on. I know they're in training next week, and it's also um, it's also the first day that uh, Matt Cordona is going to be there training as well. So I'm not sure it's going to be a good time. It might not be a good time. It might not um, so, work. That sounds like a yeah, good time. I just, I, just, I just realized that uh, yeah, it's probably not going to work because he gets in that day. So, yeah, we're not going to be able to do that. Uh, we could do, do uh, a follow-up. Next week. We'll do a follow-up. We'll do, do, yeah, we'll do, do the Sting episode next week. We'll do Sting next week, and then the week after that, the last match. Yeah, man, absolutely. Because that way it'll be afterwards, so we can talk all about it as well. That's huge, man. That's huge. I love yeah, it. man. So we'll do that. So next week we're going to talk about the life and career of the Stinger, uh, starting out from you know UWF on the NWA, and eventually would make his way into the WWE. And I like to talk about that. I know we talk it's an '80s wrestling podcast, but I want to dive a little bit into his career in the WWE, Jay, and get your take on it and the listeners' take. But until then, uh, I hope you and your family have a great weekend, and I look forward to talking to you next week.
Me too, and I and I do look forward to it because I was not a fan of his WWE run, and we'll get into it next week right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. So my ending. I nestled in there just like a hot dog and a croissant. <laughs> With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.